Hey folks, Luna here. I think it's appropriate and necessary to share that I am no longer positively associated with the LDS or Mormon church. A close friend encouraged me to revisit my concerns as a whole and consider additional primary and secondary information, and I did. For folks still trying to find space for themselves in the LDS church, I wish you success, but might also encourage you to consider whether your religious experiences can be separated from the Mormon aspects. If there's interest, I may someday unpack these experiences more in this space. In this episode of Trans Chat, the following subjects will be mentioned or discussed. Brief mention of suicide. Brief mention of self-harm. Marriage, sexy time, masturbation, pornography. There will be a lot of discussion about Christianity and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, religion. Not all of this discussion is going to be flattering. Warning, warning, warning. If you know me personally, and or are a relative or friend, you may hear things in this podcast episode that will make it uncomfortable to sit across from me at Thanksgiving dinner. If you think this might happen, maybe skip this one. <laughs> Trust me, I won't be the one uncomfortable. Unfortunately, the first half hour or so of our recording um, did not survive. Uh, this is this is my my technical skills uh, being insufficient for the task at hand. Uh, there may be some references to previous discussion that doesn't quite make sense. Um, if there's any uh, questions for clarification, feel free to email us, and I can try my best to to clear anything up. So wait, what does that mean? Do we have to start over? Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll summarize. Um, let's see. So I Okay, so my first two questions were like, were you raised in the church? And yes. then how did you come about realizing you were queer or trans and how that related to your relationship with the church? Um, so I will, I'll, I'll recap. I was born into the church. My, my parents and their parents were LDS. Um, on my dad's side of the family, it, it goes all the way back to Hiram Smith, which was Joseph Smith's um, brother. And so he, I don't remember which wife, uh, is, is my great, great, great something. Um, so it's, 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 it's a big part of the, the, the family history, the family culture. And so it's, it's, it's pretty bred in there. And, you know, part of that is also, I guess I didn't really touch on in our first effort, is some of the esoterra just is, is known in the family because it's, it's talked about. It's, it's not necessarily something that someone who's just been exposed to the church would know about. And, like, I have volumes and volumes that I've inherited and bought or were gifted related to LDS doctrine, interpreting the doctrine, understanding the doctrine. And many of those are written or were written by prophets and apostles. Uh, so part of the thing that got cut is I discussed how uh, in, in the church, most of the leadership are, are it's a lay clergy. So it's volunteers. Um, however, the higher up you get, you start seeing folks getting stipends up to six figures. And this puzzles me in part because the Book of Mormon, which is considered holy text in for, for Mormons or LDS folk, and I'll be using that interchangeably I'm sure this will be something that we actually get an email about. Every, every, every so many years, the church tries to focus on Christ being what we're, we're, we're referenced in LDS and all of this stuff and not using Mormon. And then a prophet will die. Another prophet will, will come in and say, well, you know what? Folks know us as Mormons, so let's embrace that. And then 12 years might go by and we'll be trying to focus on on. Uh, saying the whole you, name of the church or something. So for those of us who are not in the know, and I, I'm more in the know than most folks because I lived in Salt Lake City for five years, but um, what exactly does the terminology signify, Jesus? 
no worries. So uh, the the president of the church is is considered or believed to be a prophet. They're they're responsible for guiding um, not just the church but like the earth as a whole. Um, they're supposed to receive revelation from deity related to different things and so if you if you look at it historically sometimes you'll find warnings from lds prophets and apostles oh sorry go ahead wait i'm i'm sorry there's another term like you're using oh apostle to refer to god yes uh so and that's not an lds thing that's a me thing um just saying the word god hasn't a it it i don't know It, it it has it has like a visceral feeling referencing because probably because um god is often used in a pejorative manner just by everybody right it's it's uh, oh my god or these different things and and growing up we didn't use the word and 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 we we, we tend to also frame deity or god as as a heavenly parent and this is very mm-hmm. central to lds doctrine um the idea that uh wh- whether in, in the sense that we were created by him or we were adopted by him or, or in some other way, uh, we understand um, God to be a, a heavenly parent. And one of the cool things about LDS doctrine that really jives with me is, is the belief that there's a, a heavenly mother. And mm-hmm. um, there are various explanations for why that's not in the Old Testament or the New Testament. And some of them are quite interesting, looking looking at the history of of different kings and different um, uh, uh, high priests who changed the Torah and changed different things um, to kind of write out a feminine divine or a divine feminine. Um, and, and I like that. Like this, this is something that's part of of the LDS doctrine. And I, I should also add um, part of the idea. Is that as our parent, deity wants the best for us and wants us to like meet our full potential to to borrow from Ninjago. Uh, my my kids are constantly asking if they've reached their full potential yet. I'm like, babies, not. You're, you're not even ten yet. Like, there's so much potential for you. And 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 that's kind of like how I understand Heavenly Father in Christ, right? There's these these two wonderful people that say, hey. You know, stick with me, and we're going to see just how far you can go. Um, and part of part of this idea within LDS doctrine is that um, if if we're continuing to learn and improve and progress in who we are, that eventually we may be deity-like or godlike. And there's this idea that we're part of this cycle that that has gone on for 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 ageless or timeless. Uh, before us and will will continue timelessly after us. Um, and some some of this kind of resonates with ideas um, in Hinduism and, and Buddhism, where you're trying to reach a, a pinnacle of self so that you can join a, a larger divine. Um, and the idea is that you work on yourself through multiple lives. Um, sometimes you're stuck at different periods. And, and um, I, I'm more familiar with Hinduism. So if I'm saying things, please correct me. That's not in line with with buddhism because you you would be the 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 expert in this case um and there are are a couple of other belief systems that kind of have this idea that in our different lives or part of this reincarnation cycle that we can tackle like uh seeking seeking the pleasures of the flesh or seeking the pleasures of fun or being distracted by um these other things uh the, the difference being that in in with an LDS doctrine, it's not us getting bodies and living here over and over again. It's this process where post-life, there'll be things that we can do. And if we'd like to, and that's another thing that I like, is a lot of the stuff is if a person wants to. So what we lost in the recording earlier was me briefly discussing, um, and this is actually a good segue into one of your other, to your second question. And, and I'll go well, you, but, but you didn't... Um explain like where the word mormon comes from oh, okay well so, you were starting and i interrupted you so no no worries so uh the book of mormon is is where the term mormon comes from it, it is a holy text that is believed to be a, written by um folks that came to uh north 
and or South America. Like there's there's some ambiguity there. Having gone through some archaeology classes, there are components of the Book of Mormon that are hard to reconcile with the physical record, but they also do match some of what we see having with the civilization's movement and warfare in South America and Central America. Mormon was generally used as a pejorative uh, for probably the first century or so, the, the, the church was established in, in the early 1830s. And the, the idea behind calling folks Mormons was separating them from Christianity as a whole because they had the Book of Mormon as this additional holy text. Um, and if you remind me uh, later while I'm rambling and whatnot, one of the ideas about the, the, the Book of Mormon is that it helps clarify aspects of the Old and New Testament that conflict with each other or don't, mm. don't quite jive. And one of the things that I find particularly interesting is that homosexuality or anything related to, to transgender people are not mentioned in the Book of Mormon. So when, yeah. when my LDS family usually is the one, are the ones that are trying to have doctrinal conversations where they're pulling out the, the six clobber passages. Um, and like we could do probably a whole section on those clobber passages. But basically, the entire basis for condemning homosexuality or transgender folk um, belong to, to six or seven, depending on how you interpret um, passages in the 1500 pages or whatever that the Old Testament and New Testament make up. I mean, there, there's more passages within like Genesis about not lying uh, to, to get yeah, an idea yeah. of, of how thin some of these are. Yeah. And then when you go back and you look at the, the translation from Hebrew um, or from Aramaic, um, the words that are translated as like, um, you shouldn't sleep with a man, were actually you shouldn't sleep with a child or a boy child. Yeah. And they were a, yeah, so, like, so there, not about there are explanations, exactly. There are explanations for each of those, and usually it comes down to a translation issue. And we can also trace back to um, the 1940s and 1950s when masturbation was associated with um, becoming, uh, becoming I, people can't see my air quotes, uh, homosexual changes across uh, uh, not just LDS uh, writings or, or the, the King James Version being updated sort of thing but other uh, translations of the Old and New Testament start putting in um, the interpretations for instead of boy, man, or um, strange flesh uh, previously being understood as um, belonging to a, a different tribe or uh, culture than um, the, the Hebrews or, or the, the children of Israel sort of thing. Uh, now it's interpreted as the, the same, which, you know, if, if it made sense before and now you're obfuscating it more, it doesn't make sense to me that we go in this direction. Um, anyway, so going back, that's where Mormons come from. And uh, people were called Mormon because of the Book of Mormon's presence in the theology. And it was a way of separating folks from the rest of Christianity. And it was often like the Mormon extermination orders wrapped up in, in the usage of these words um, and stuff like that. Did I answer the question about the term? For yeah, 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 yeah. And, okay. So a bishop is the leader of the local ward unit, which is it, it usually uh, uh, multiple wards go into a, uh, a stake. And uh, those stakes then be, are, are part of a region, and that continues to expand. Um, the, the bishop is, is kind of like your, your everyday pastor that you would see at a different congregation sort of thing, or, or a preacher. Um, or uh, why am I rabbi or imam sort of thing, like that kind of local leader. Um, mm -hmm. To be able to go into a temple... Um, if you're doing, say, uh, baptisms for the dead uh, as youth, you do a, a bishop interview. And part of that is determining your worthiness, whether or not you're, you, you can be baptized in proxy for somebody, or maybe, maybe your behavior excludes you from participating in that. 
And part of those questions have to do with uh, sexual morality and, and chastity. And, you know, now as I think about it, I, I'm not going to be comfortable with my kids sitting in a, a soundproof office talking about whether or not they've looked at pornography or if they've masturbated or if they've had sex with someone. This is not something that needs that 12 year olds don't need to be talking about with another person. If, if my kids want to do that, although my youngest is already precluded from doing that for, for just socially transitioning, which is another heartbreaking thing. Um, I'm also excluded from those worship spaces as well. Unless anything changes, that exclusion is, 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 is pretty much permanent um, until I die. Well, and that was, I guess, really what my question was, was like, as you had this awakening about your gender and your sexual orientation, like, and how did the church respond and how did your family respond and how did you deal with that response, you know? So at, at 12... I, I tried to discuss this attraction to men and women. It was kind of blown off. And then okay. I do these interviews several times. And so that was something that I was feeling intensely guilty about was that I had these feelings and that, that despite cutting, despite trying to kill myself, I couldn't overcome them, which is this idea that if it's a choice, you can overcome the choice. Like it should be easy. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. and through the nineties, that was still very much the perspective. Um, and because it was coming from leadership, like the prophet and apostles, it was considered coming from God. And as I've grown, I, I have started really stratifying, like, is this, is this a human talking with their prejudices and their biases and their baggage? Or is this actually God talking? When I, I was like, gosh, 2015, 2016, when I actually it was after 2016, because I was in Africa for the first time I ever verbalized that I found men attractive. That was then you were... I would have been in my late 20s. Okay, so you were I even say it. You were definitely grown. Yes, I had tried talking when I was 16 and 17. With, with a bishop for guidance about these feelings. And I couldn't even, I couldn't get the words out. I was just so ashamed and so embarrassed. And I, I don't, I, I think that he's, he said something like, well, if you don't think about it, you should be over, be able to overcome it. Like, just, just keep trying not to think about it. Um, which is like telling someone who has a, a, an arrow in their side, oh, don't worry, it, it'll go away eventually. Well, yes. It will, but you might die first. <laughs> so I, I verbalized that. And that's when I really started saying, okay, I've had these feelings my whole life. And I believed that I was somehow choosing them or because I was so evil that uh, uh, Satan or, or, or some other form of temptation uh, was, was trying to hone in on that. And so this... Uh, orientation is often considered like th this is your burden that you have to bear in the church. And this is very condescending. You know, these are your trials. Um, try to do your best with them. You know, you, you can't you can't have romantic love if, if you're only a homosexual or or these things. And I, I, I grew up believing this. I grew up believing that same sex uh, sex wasn't pleasant. I grew up believing that that love was actually lust and not a love. My, my wife and I, I think, are quite loving. Um, and most of my friends that are in queer relationships, like, those are relationship goals. Especially, like, my cohort, I'd say about half of us got married in our 20s, early 20s. And I want to say three of us are still married. Yeah, that sounds about... So, so this idea that, that you can only have love on these certain terms and it has to fit this certain mold, it just doesn't jive with me because it, it's against my experiences. It would be 2017, 2018, after I had become friends with a trans woman and was able to have all of these preconceived notions kind of shattered when... I had some thoughts related to how I wished I could be different and how it always felt different. Instead of slamming the door shut and promising deity mentally that I would kill myself before opening the door and exploring those feelings, I, I kind of thought, 
what, what if I'm not evil? Like, I'm not evil for having attraction to multiple genders, or at least I don't think I am evil. I, I still mm -hmm. struggle with that. It's, it's, it's a pervasive thing. Yeah. In, in the middle of the night, you know, I, I, I might have a, a spiral where um, I just feel like this, I'm, I'm, I must be so evil for, for life to have been so rough um, or for me to be where I'm at, right? Which I don't think is how a heavenly parent or Christ yeah. would want anybody to. Gosh, I couldn't say a prayer and not worry I was going to get struck down for being evil and saying a prayer until like 2016, 2017, 2018. And so, I mean, even just blessing dinner sort of thing or asking for 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 deity to bless our food i i felt like if my mind strayed just a little bit that i would offend god and my soul was done i know from talking to other lds folks that are queer or trans they feel the same way and they felt the same way uh and this is a problem when i came out to my parents in 2019 early 2019 i, I took three Two, two, three years of, of opening the door just a little bit, peeking in and then slamming the door shut mentally mm -hmm. and, and, and exploring some of those things. And I knew this wonderful person who was trans and did not exhibit, one, what I thought transness was because of, of television and, and movies. Um, you know, I, I had a very, very limited set of, of things. For me, it was it was Ace Ventura, Naked Gun, 33 yes. third. This is why representation. CSI, they were frequently victims. Or kills people. Yep. Victims or murderers is, is pretty much what we got until, what was it, a few years ago? Like five years ago? <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of any positive trans reoccurring characters because like the L word had a, 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 a trans mask person, but they that were was... not portrayed very positively is my understanding. Um, no, he, he was portrayed as a good person, but all of the other characters treated him really badly. Like, oh, okay. They were all, all the main characters were really transphobic, and 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 the thing that made the L word really great was that it wasn't about being gay; it was about characters okay. living out their lives, you know. So, and then when they introduced a trans character, his whole thing was he was trans and he didn't have any like Dimensions character. Yeah, yeah, and that's why people were really not happy about it but it was the first like he was the first recurring trans character on television first of all main character not just side character yeah around for a story arc where they die to make the oh. main characters have right feelings. yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah like he didn't just exist to improve the character of the cis characters but yeah there were a lot of things that were okay and it was not ideal, but it was something and it was positive. So, and that was when I heard non-binary pronouns used for the first time. So okay. that's still a big deal to me. They had a, they had a non-binary character and who was played by Alan Cumming too. So it was just like, Oh, okay. See, I, I, this is one of but those. Even, but even after that, that was like 2007. It was still a long time before there was the second, you know, like, it was pretty much the L word and then crickets. So I, I, I started asking these questions and I, I spent hours every day kind of exploring, you know, if I, if I could, uh, lots of different thought experiments. Um, if I could change my, 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 my physical appearance at will, you know, what would I do? Um, if, if mm. I could, if I could, uh, Odo, from Deep Space Nine actually was a big part of me kind of unpacking this idea as if, if I could be anything I wanted to be, what would I be and why? And I came to the conclusion, I, I probably would never go back to a male body. Mm. Like just the thought of doing that once I could be me was, uh, I had a very visceral feeling. And um, I came out to Jennifer uh, softly, like three or four times. I, I talked to her and I said stuff. Wait, like, so you're already married? 
we'd been married for 10 years and I was very afraid that I was going to lose my kids and that I was going to lose the relationship with, with a person that I tolerated the best out of the, out of everybody I'd ever known. And that that sounds horrible. It wasn't, it wasn't until I actually got to start being me that I got those really intense romantic and just loving feelings that we had at the beginning of our marriage. And when I stopped trying to play a role that I just yeah. was not built for, um, I, I, my, my wife is in the room, honey. I mean, do you think that things have been the best it's ever been for like years now? And it's just been getting better and better. Yes, it has. I couldn't feel loved for a really long time. And I think part of that was because I hated myself so much for these, these, these parts of me that, that I thought, you know, needed to be burned away or cut away for me to be lovable by, by uh, another human being, by Christ, by, by heavenly father, by my heavenly mother. And, um, sorry, it, it was rough. And I expected, you know, because my family was so LDS, um, I, I, I didn't know what to expect other than what I had heard other people going through, which was mostly their, their family rejecting them. Um, I, I was very lucky that, that, you know, there were growing pains, but my family's been quite supportive and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving closer to them. And, uh, I, I think that that'll be good for all of us. Uh, I, I wrote this long letter. It was like six pages on word, uh, single spaced to my mom, basically saying that I, I, I'd had all these different experiences throughout my life. And I finally found something that, that really explained them. And since I, I realized that being trans was an explanation for these things, and I started doing things differently. It was, it was like I was living again. After the nerve damage started in the lower half of my body, it felt like I was being forced to stick around for 20 or 30 years before I could die and finally be free. And yeah. I felt like I was, I, I, I had to, I had to perform, uh, being a dad, I had to perform maleness. I had to perform these things. Otherwise I was failing as, as, as what I was supposed to be, like what my path was supposed to be. I had, I had a friend who was LDS that I was talking to around the same time. Um, we're quite close. Uh, we, we still are, but the relationship's a little bit different now. Um, and one of the things that, that we talked about is like, how far am I going to go with this? Because at the time, just socially transitioning was and still is enough for me to not be able to go into the temple. Um, I'm not welcome in uh, at the ward level. It kind of depends on whether or not I would be welcome into what is called the Relief Society, which is the... The, the, the adult women classes and mm-hmm. like community. Uh, they don't recognize you as a woman. Yes. So, so that's a, in, in this case, in our ward, I've, I've been invited um, by, by two different sisters. Um, so we refer generally to each other as, as brothers or sisters. Okay. Um, I've yet to run into a LDS non-binary folk, but I'd happily call them whatever they wanted me to. Um, we've been referring to oldest as sibling because they are exploring feeling like both a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They've been happier for the last couple of weeks than they've been in a long time. And we noticed that with youngest is I was out for like a year and a half and she came up to us one time and, and said she, she didn't talk to us. We started talking and, you know, our, ha- our, our family being okay with each other and supporting each other has just made the family unit stronger and and more amazing, which is something that I feel God couldn't like, you can't disapprove of that. Right. If, if the family is, is it, 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 for one, it's so central to the idea um, of of an LDS doctrine is that families are, are forever. So our, uh, we're sealed to each other in the temple, which is a, a commitment from deity to us, or Heavenly Father to us, that we'll, we're, we're going to be tied together forever. You know, 
millennia post-life, those connections will still be there. Within the way it's presented now, that that only happens when there's a mother and a father and then possibly kids. I don't think that, well, one, if that's the case, I, I'm not included in that. And, and my family, yeah. despite our love for each other and our, our, our concern for each other, and, you know, we, we, we're a team. The, the kids have different names for our team, and it's our family, it's our team. We're, we're this unit that is us against whatever's out there trying to harm us. I have, I have chosen family that I'm just as close with not incredibly more close than mm -hmm. some of my my family especially my my sister I, yeah I, I have an expectation that those folks are going to be in my life they see you for who you are yeah. rather than who they decided you should be in their minds so and, of course you're going to be closer yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i i think i think one uh the the, the gospel according to luna is that we will see that same-sex couples eventually will be able to be sealed together. And that this yeah. idea of us, because part of the idea is not just family units, but like the whole human species is connected and we're going to be connected. And if we're not connected, we're doing something wrong. And, and that right there, like if you're excluding 20% of the world population because of orientation, and an additional two to three percent because of, of of being trans, you know that's a significant part of the human species to say, well, we don't think we're going to be connected to you, or no, you're not part of this. And it's something I pray about. You know, I I, I try to communicate with my my heavenly Father, and um, one of the big things in LDS doctrine is that you can receive personal revelation. So deity can. Um, through the Holy Ghost or other means, provide some form of, of confirmation or feelings or guidance. And I, I, once again, as I was exploring these feelings, I came to a point where I, I was praying to Heavenly Father, and I said, you know what, I can't keep doing this. Um, I've, I've opened the door, I've seen what's on the other side, and, and, and I, 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 I don't want to lose that. So if this is something I am not supposed to do, I'll end it right now. It was kind of, again, the I'll kill myself if that's what needs to be done so that I don't go to hell. I will, I will hide myself if that's what I need to do. And that's not what I, I was impressed to do. And I was, I was wholly expecting that. And I was, I was committed to it. In fact, I, I had the means to, to end things when I made that prayer. Mm -hmm. And not only did I not feel that such an extreme response was necessary, but it was kind of like an acceptance of, of everything about me and that I was where deity wanted me. Like I, I, this, this was, this was not just a path I may or may not take. Um, but th this was, this was something I was supposed to do. And so when folks tell me that there can't be God and along with, with, with queerness or transness, that the two can't coexist, I can't have one without the other from my experiences. Deity was part of understanding who I was. And, you know, that, that's not everybody else's journey, but it, it was for me. And no, I'm just, that, that was actually going to be my next question to you. So this is like a perfect segue, like the, of just what your relationship is like now with deity. And, and if you, cause like, I personally believe, and this is just me, that I was spiritually crafted this way. And if nothing else, just to be an example to other queer trans people, like, do you, like, do you have any beliefs like that? Or I do actually, I, I feel that not only am I supposed to be doing this, but, but it's, it's part, it's, sorry, I'm trying to decide something real quick. Okay. There's, there's this thing that folks in, in the LDS church can get. It's, it's called a patriarchal blessing. It is supposed to be a, a special revelation to help guide your life. 
And in my patriarchal blessing, there are a lot of things that did not make sense until I came to the realization that I'm queer and trans and it's okay. And there are things that I had been trying to wrap my head around for decades, because I, I received, I received um, this blessing when I was like 12. And I didn't understand what I was supposed to do for some of the guidance that was provided. And once, once I realized you know, that it was okay to be myself, I, some other things started falling in place. I, I think that you know, what we do with the, the TNGN and with the Gender Freedom Society is something I'm meant to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, after I came out, several family members came out. I, I, I'm not mm -hmm. saying this because of me, but I think that existing okay. as myself does open doors for people. And, you know, I've found that people making fun of me uh, or people threatening me or people up in my face does not have the effect that I would have anticipated. I'm, I'm a very anxious person. I really don't like social, or I should say, I really didn't like social settings. Uh, I had I, I had a guy while we were at church not realize he'd left his flash on, and he walked up and he took a picture of me, and the flash went off in his face. It's kind of funny, and he kind of ran off. And you know what? I continued going to church. Like this wasn't yeah. a problem for me as much. I know some folks that that would have been enough for them to maybe not want not to be in those spaces. Yeah. And I don't blame them at all. But, you know, I'm okay being that practice trans person that a lot of people first meet mm. and work through some mm. of those those biases or stereotypes. And then for the next person, maybe not making as many mistakes. Like, I can be that person. And, and I, I think that I consented to this. Because my, my, my idea of, of deity is that you know, on some level, we had to we, we, we agreed to come to Earth. Okay. And um, we maybe not knew or we maybe didn't know, like, all of what was going to happen. Or it's possible going from, from a, 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 a spirit without, like, a tangible body. You can only understand so much of what pain feels like until you actually feel it sort of thing. Um, but so there is a similar concept in um, Buddhism of... That you not that you necessarily like choose your level of suffering, but that some in some capacity spiritually you, yeah. Okay, I I like you that. Just come to Earth and to be incarnated in a certain type of life, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's again that's kind of the doctrine or the gospel according to Luna, but but I think that we consented and. Knowing who I am, I am probably the dumb. Yes, I'll do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Not realizing necessarily how how hard that that would be. If if I were born AFAB, I didn't do a lot of the mental work until I was in, like I said, my late twenties. I don't think I would have married Jennifer because I would have felt that that was mm. against um, mm. Christ or Heavenly Father's perspective and I don't know that my family would have been able to support me at that point in their lives as well not not trying to speak poorly of them but we're talking you know early mid 2000s when you know, I, I was 20 when I met Jennifer or no I was 19 when I met Jennifer we got married at 20. <laughs> um, pretty standard for it, it is it is oh, yeah. um and I, I don't think that i think that we would have met we would have been friends i probably would have married a guy i probably would have been miserable mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know i i think moving to boston and making wonderful friends that were trans was a big part and and before that i think my education at ut dallas where i met some wonderful queer positive and queer folk that showed me that all of my my stereotypes and the prejudices that I, I had in, integrated from religion. This is not the case. These are amazing people. Like, um, I, I think all of that led to the point where where I, I prayed and said, you know, what do you want me to do? 
the first day after I'd come out to everybody or the first Sunday after I'd come out to everybody, I had my skirt out and I had some pants out and I was getting dressed. And I felt very strongly when I went to, to do the pants that no, you're going to be you. And that means all the time. So I went to church with, 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 with the skirt on. And again, this was, I don't know, this is part of this confirmation process or like, God is fine with who I am. And, you know, wearing a skirt that day, I met, <laughs> I met a friend and actually I lied. I, I, I know a non-binary person who was LDS for most of their life. And uh, I met that person and I met some other folks as part of just being myself. Um, I had some great conversations with members that came up to me because somebody with a beard wearing a dress or a skirt in church spaces was just unseen, unheard of. Mm -hmm. was, mm -hmm. And they'd come up and they'd ask questions. I now have, when I do make it to church, it's, it's super bloody early in the morning, which does not go well with my, my pain. Mm -hmm. There's like a dozen of the kids who all come up and say hi to me now. And, um, you know, we might talk for a, a minute or two and then they go off and do their own thing. And, oh my gosh, like, if I, as a kid or a teen, had a single example of somebody being queer in church spaces, I, I, I don't know what that, I would probably have come out a decade or two decades ago because it was something I'd seen modeled. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm <laughs> rambling again. No, 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 it was awesome. It was exactly my question. I, I guess my, my follow-up question then is like, why it was important well sort of already answered this but like why it was important to you to first of all stay in the church despite being treated badly as a kid and all that and do you feel that i guess queer and trans people are maybe creating their own culture in the lds faith i think so there there's a group called affirmation which is made up of either uh uh, ex or, or current LDS folk who are queer or trans and they're, they're, they're carving out their own spaces. You know, some of them have been uh, excommunicated from the church. Some of them are parents of queer folk. Some of them are parents of trans folk. I, I think that we're making a space in the sense that, you know, there's really no reason we shouldn't be there. And I totally get that the, the church's history and how they've interacted with us. I mean, if I had come out three years earlier, I would have been labeled an apostate and my kids couldn't have been baptized. My kids couldn't have gone to certain church activities and certain church locations until they were 18 and could publicly denounce me. And we're talking about like 2015 is when this happened, which is a bunch of bull. So I get that queer people might not want to interact with the church. And I'm not entirely sure that the church is the only path to a positive afterlife or a good relationship with, with a heavenly parent. And I definitely think that, you know, Christ is not just helping out Mormons, right? It's, it's I, 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 the way I think of it is like, most of us are going to get to some form of heaven, right? Some form of happy, positive afterlife. It's going to be the Donald Trumps, the Adolf Hitlers, the the really horrible folks that are going to be experiencing those, those really negative things. And so I, I think that whether queer folk are, are seeking improvement like through the church or informed by some of the church's stuff, that, that there's a place for us. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know how helpful that was. No, that was awesome. Um, and you know, I, 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 I want to be fair. A lot of the members that I've met have had much more open hearts than one would think hearing about like the doctrine and what this prophet said or this apostle said. And I think a large part of that is those folks are old. They're kind of set in their ways, like not, not trying to be um, ageist or, or something like that, but it's, it's, it, it is generational. Yeah, extent. it's it's generational. They were brought up believing something was like 
etched in stone from God, now they're starting to walk that back and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe we're wrong. It'd be nice if they could like more explicitly say, oh, maybe we're wrong, uh, instead of just <laughs> subtly changing things. Like that's one of the problems that I have. And like I have, I, I, there's a lot of problems that I have with the church. Like I, I've got issues with um, denial of the priesthood to folks of African descent. Like mm -hmm. it, that, that is something that I expect an explanation post life. And, and honestly, I think that that was wrong. Like, I don't think God was supporting that. I think that this was uh, one of those things where if folks aren't asking for guidance about a thing, they're not going to get guidance for it. So if one person's prejudice got inserted via Brigham Young, unless those prophets were, were asking Heavenly Father for guidance saying, hey, is this wrong or do we need to be doing something differently? They're not likely to get that guidance. I don't know if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they may get it and they may not be willing to do it because, again, of, of stereotyping and prejudice. Uh, I think that we're going to find for a lot of marginalized folks when it comes to the church that leadership has been a stumbling block for us to be able to have more people come to Christ or more people, you know, on a path that that helps them become a better version of themselves. And I don't mean that like in a morally way, but like, I know I'm not perfect. I know I could parent better. I could be a better friend. I could be, um, you know, a better kid. And um, it's just, it's a process. And, and for me, at least, that, that's one of the reasons why, even though I have struggled with whether or not I want to be associated with the LDS Church, I've never really had a problem with Christ. Like, mm -hmm. here is someone who says, hey, there's something better. And, and you know, I can work with you to, to, to get to that something better. And, you know, if, if, if I have a choice between someone saying I, I am merciful and then models that behavior or someone saying, look, I've made a lot of money. I'm successful. Follow me. I, I'm probably going to follow the person modeling the behaviors that I want to see in myself. And there may be a point where I leave the church or more likely there will be a point where I'm removed from the church. Um, this is something mm -hmm. that, that happens. I mean, just a few months ago, uh, LDS therapist who interacts with sex uh, was excommunicated because um, of her public stance on things, which to be clear, I, I pretty much categorically agreed with. Like um, the way the church talks about masturbation is unscientific. To clarify, um, what I'm what I'm trying to talk about here is um, not just like masturbation, but uh, pornography use and the way the church discusses it uh, in the context of um, like an alcoholism or a a genetic component. Wrapped up in a different phenomena, um, it's treated like addiction in the sense of like alcoholism. And uh, the data doesn't support that. It also doesn't support the idea that this is a, like a mortal sin sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to sexy time between spouses, uh, the church used to have a lot to say about what you can and can't do. Yeah. I have broken all of those guidances. <laughs> and you know what? Sexy time's fun. And it should be fun, right? Uh, I think you're doing it wrong if sexy time is not fun. Just some stuff like that. Like, I fornication is one thing that, like, consenting adults for me, like, that, that is the, 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 the marker I've committed to my wife. And so breaking that commitment is then a problem. Like, I, I view adultery different than fornication. In the church, the two are kind of equated as the same thing. Uh, in, in, in the sense that, like, if, you're, if, 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 if some teens are having sex, it's just as bad as if you'd just broken consent with, with a partner or a spouse. Uh, like, in the sense that any sex outside of marriage is a sin. Yeah, and, and it's like this, this big, huge sin. 
And there's a couple of reasons for that in, in the church. One of them, I think, is because of, uh, sadly, a, a comma instead of a period where two ideas are talked about in the Book of Mormon back to back. This father is talking to his son about leaving his mission to go after a well-known prostitute in, in an adjacent area. And um, when he's talking about this to his son, uh, he's talking about how, you know, maybe you shouldn't go pay for sex, um, as well as what you did made it so nobody who knows of you and knows you're my son is taking anything we're saying seriously. Like, they don't want to believe because we're not practicing what we preach. Um, I think the latter one is what he's talking about when he's talking about this egregious sin that's been committed and these bad things. He's not talking about having sex. And the way... Being dishonest and... Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Within the LDS culture and doctrine, we we do commit to mission sometimes. Usually it's a two-year commitment, and it's very different than what we think of as church missions. Um, from other places where like they go to an area, they make some wells, or they go to the area, they build a church. It's two or three weeks. For someone in the LDS church, it is this two-year commitment that you're not going to be watching TV. You're not going to be using the internet. You're going to be focused on knocking on folks' doors and preaching Christ or going to events and doing service. Like I, I won, I think it was Monday, uh, we spent eight hours helping a guy clear out his field because uh, he was disabled and he he couldn't clear out this area of his property. I we didn't we couldn't have contact with our family other than mail, which has changed a little bit with the years. Uh, it's 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 very different than what folks think of as like this maybe poverty tourism that often happens in in church missions or that that sort of thing. For me, I mean, one of the problems when I was on a mission is your orientation just doesn't stop. <laughs> and so I, was, I, I would feel the same way I always had about both men and, and, and women. And now I know that, you know, my attraction spreads beyond the, that binary. And I continue to feel guilty. Uh, I ended up, um, mm-hmm. I had an undiagnosed hernia. So I ended up coming home. Um, much sooner, which is also a taboo thing yeah. um, within the church. It's 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 got a lot of baggage wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the first Sunday that I was back, I, I, I told one person I was there because of a prostate issue. We thought we thought I had cancer um, for a while. Uh, it, it took almost two years to find that it was a hernia. We went through this whole long process. Um, and he went around telling people that I, I was sent home because of a, an apostate issue. And I had a bunch of people come up to me and tell me how disappointed they were that, that I had gone and, and had, had sinned or something and, and had to be sent home, which is not the case for most of, of the folks that I know that, that weren't able to complete the mission um, for the full two years or the full 18 months, depending on um, if you're a guy or a gal or where, where you're going. And, you know, that was that was really also another opportunity um, for me to reflect on what I, I I thought was true. No, you're good. I, I just have one final question, okay. which kind of ties into what you just said. Um, so it's a good segue. Like, what advice would you give to anyone who was afraid to come out who had been raised not just LDS, but in any religion where they were told that there was something wrong with them or that it was bad or because you kept using the word evil, which is a really strong Sorry. word. No, no, it's just it it reflects like how much this was impressed upon you. You know, I was like, of course, it would be impossible to come out if you were told that it made you evil. Like, yeah. geez, you know, so what advice would you give not just to young people, but to older people as well who believe that that they were evil for being queer, like how to come out or how to deal with that, you know? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, first I'd like to say you're not evil or at least 99.99999% of the people who might be struggling with this. You're not evil, right? Evil people don't care whether they're evil or not. Right. I don't know. I, I, uh, the, 
I, I don't think being queer, the holy texts that I've read, you kind of have to stretch them and twist them um, outside of just the LDS or, or Christian holy texts. Like queer folks have been around for a long time in, in the historical record and in the physical record going back thousands and thousands of years before like the Roman Empire. So we're, we're talking that we have been a stable part of humanity for forever. And to me, it doesn't seem that somebody's genetics that's part of a population. Um, sometimes I kind of tend to look at it as like scientific framing, like, you know, we've always existed. If a deity or a, a powerful external being didn't want us to be this way, it would be really easy to build our genetics in a way that there there's a terminal condition tied with orientation. So if it's not right, the infant doesn't make it sort of thing. We know how to do that as human beings. So anything outside of us and bigger than us and better than us, that was an option they chose not to take. Um, and I think that's because we're meant to be here. I don't... I don't know if it's very helpful or not. No, that's such a beautiful answer. And I just, I hope that people hear that, you know? Yeah, that, that would be, that would be awesome. You know, and like I said, not just like we talk about young people or teenagers, kids, but you know, when you're talking about the older generations, it's like, I'm sure there are plenty of 50, 60, 70 year olds, you know, who have felt this way their whole life and have never had the courage to come out you know, we want to encourage them to, to join our ranks as well. So Yeah, definitely. And you know what? I I think queer, queer people, because they've learned to embrace more of themselves, are also able to embrace more of others. And mm -hmm. a lot of those charitable or Christ-like or desirable behaviors that you see in other religions are incredibly present in queer and trans populations. And so I think that also goes towards the, how, how, can, how can so much evil, um, if, if we understand it to be that way, be doing these good things and these helping things and these loving things? Um, it, it just, it doesn't click for me. Yeah. You may have heard that Mormons have horns and a tail. I can attest that I have yet to get them. Um, and I'm kind of bummed out. I wanted that tail. Can you imagine having a, a prehensile tail, typing, having your, your mouse moving around? Like, I don't know. I think that'd be kind of cool. Oh, actually, I do. There, there's, there's one thing that I, I, I was thinking about leading up to this that I had wanted to kind of put out there. Um, right now, uh, in, in the LDS general handbook is what, what they call it. it. It's, it's what guides local units as well as members and, um, higher up leaders and how to approach things. Um, being transgender is now specifically has several of its own spots. And, and one of the things that it says is that, um, it's okay for people to get hormone replacement therapy or to possibly socially transition if it's part of suicide prevention. Wow. And that's, I, I, that's I, big, I, actually. I, yes. And, and I, I, I want to be clear that it's all suicide prevention. Yeah. Right. So, well, yeah, we know that. Not so, everybody so knows that. They're, they're, they're close to the mark, but yeah, like if, if folks are listening to this and they are LDS and they're not sure where they, how they feel about LGBT folks related to doctrine or what these things say, these things are suicide prevention. My attempts all failed. I know folks whose attempts didn't. Calling somebody by the pronouns that fit them can save a life. And I think that the bar, if we look at it, I think the bar that Christ would want to set is not is this going to prevent somebody from killing themselves? But is this person going to feel welcome and loved? So yeah, may, maybe one, don't ask people if they've had surgery yet. Um, and then maybe two, like recognize all of the things that they're doing is, is, is suicide prevention. It is, it is making life livable, palatable, survivable. Unfortunately, transgender also pops up in some of the disciplinary sections. 
where I'm compared to like murderers and adulterers and well not compared but you know on the paragraph below in the same yeah, section. And so it creates kind of this category. Yeah. yeah. But you know, uh, uh, I guess I, another thing kind of related to that is I heard an amazing trans elder talking about her experiences. She was in her, I think, 70s. And she said something mm-hmm. that really resonated with me. Anything that LGBT folks aren't able to do in this life because of, of church policy or anything like that will be rectified within a couple of seconds in post-life. Like for, for my siblings who, who want to make covenants with their heavenly father by going mm. to the temple and doing some of these things, it sucks that we're denied that. But that's not forever, right? We might not be able to in this lifetime. My, my, my friends in queer relationships may not be able to get sealed to each other in this lifetime. But if those things are okay with deity, which I do believe then that, that'll be fixed easily. It's not like there's going to be a record error that humans made and God's going to be like, oh, darn, sorry, you go to hell now. You know, those things, can, those things will be fixed. And that, that's big for me. Uh, when, when I started mentioning my friend that I talked to, uh, when I first came out, one of the things that he, he asked me is, how far are you willing to go? And I said, well, I, I'm not willing to go somewhere that is going to damn my soul. Right, which at the time are a bunch of things I'm doing now. And every so once, every so often, somebody will come up to me and say, "I'm worried about you." You know, one t- uh, a long time ago, you told me that that you wanted to go to the temple and you always wanted to be temple worthy. Well, now you're making decisions that don't make you worthy to go to the temple. And now you're making decisions where you could be excommunicated very easily if somebody took offense at what you said and then kind of brought it to the attention of the church. Mm. Um, and, and I mentioned the excommunication of the sex therapist for things that I totally agree with. I'm sure many of the things that I've said here could offend folks or that they feel is uh, blasphemous or apostate. And who knows, maybe, maybe someday I will end up in front of a disciplinary committee Um, where they're deciding whether or not to strike my name from the records, which is like sending someone to hell uh, within kind of the gestalt of of the religion, is that if you're removed from the records, none of your ordinances are no longer valid, sort of, because I've had an orchiectomy. And I, I don't think it's shameful to say, because I'm taking estrogen, and because I've socially transitioned, some folks feel that I've made decisions that maybe aren't evil, but will have everlasting consequences. And I won't be able to progress as much as I could have if I just held on until the end and continued to hide myself. That is a standard that if you want to apply to yourself, I would say, folks, okay, that's not healthy, but okay. But you really need to stop applying it to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, rambling there, but... No, but I mean, I, I look at I look at things through a queer lens because that's what I happen to be. And so it didn't even occur to me, what advice would you give to cis people who want to? So it's good that you thought of that. Like, I was like, oh, right, the cis people exist and might listen to this. So, yeah, yeah I catch I catch myself saying stuff and then turning to Jennifer and be like, oh, shoot, you're cis. <laughs> <laughs> She's usually pretty patient with me but yeah I'll, I'll make a comment and then i'll see see this kind of like little twitch on on her I mouth like, is there anything specific that like you may say how do you reconcile uh being a good well, human you- being because like joseph smith may or may not have had sexual relations with a 14 year old girl my perspective on that is if he did, there's going to be consequences, which are going to be huge. Um, and that you goes for every single prophet. Oh, yeah. And there should have been consequences today, sort of like yeah. when it happened. And that goes for every person in any religion, um, any prophet or apostle. I mean, we see Solomon. Uh, he screwed up big and there were big consequences. Um, that's the only way I can kind of like some of those things when it comes to the LDS church is there will be consequences for those folks. Mm. 
And some of them, you know, I may be one of the people in the back saying, um, we can't ignore this. Well, I think you pretty much covered it today. Yeah, I mean, I was like, how do you, or I guess my question was more why it was important to you to stay in the faith after you were treated so poorly, but I feel like you answered that. Okay. Unless you had something else to say about it. I mean, if I were to sum it up, it's because there's things that have resonated with me that I can't account for other than there being some truth here. Hmm. Um, and... You know, I, my, my goal is to follow the truth. And if that takes me away from the LDS church, then that takes me away from the LDS church because my mm-hmm. commitment is to Christ and, and to God when it comes to any commitment. The church is a building. It's it's bricks. It's it's money. It's people. And those are not the things that I worship or follow. And if I did, but, I, I have a problem. <laughs> but the LDS church specifically has given you some direction or... Yes. Some way of finding uh, and, and some Christ. of those things are, are like the there being a heavenly mother that there's a feminine or a divine feminine mm-hmm. um, some of those things are uh, in in Christianity as a whole there's heaven or hell um, with an LDS doctrine there's different degrees of heaven where there's there's some there's somewhere for most of us like even really bad horrible murderers liars thieves which to be clear, murdering, I think, is much worse than the other ones. There will be a place for them where they get to live out eternity, maybe not, you know, in the best of whatever, but it's still, they're not in a, a, a lake of fire or torment. The, the idea of, of hell, hell within the LDS uh, uh, doctrine is, is that you don't get a body again. You, you showed that you were so irresponsible with a body. There's no way God's going to trust you with an immortal body, right? Something that can't be killed, uh, which is the idea behind like these resurrected bodies, this, this, this component of a post-life. Um, and that's going to be the real hell is because you've, you've had a body. You know what it feels like, and you're never going to get that again. And those are going to be like the worst of the worst of the worst that killed thousands of people or abused their power. And you know what? I think rapists very well probably are going to go into that worst of the worst because you violated somebody with your power in a way that I don't think you can come back from. Um, and I, I could I could be wrong. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. But if I had to, I y'all ain't getting a body. <laughs> Sorry. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, is. And, and so that's one of the things I love. And so when I say I think there's a place for, for queer folk, I, I, I mean like one of the really, really happy places, you know, we're going to be there too. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be happy, right? And if I'm promised happiness and my friends who aren't LDS that are amazing people, I'm going to be chilling with them. Uh- <laughs>